Welcome to episode 90 of Val F.A. Stugart Americana, an American-based English language Val F.A. Stugart fan podcast where I've used an unofficial, uninformed, usually unprepared. This is the final episode of the 2022-2023 uh, Bundesliga season. So, Matt, how do you feel about it? It's been a long year. It's been a wild year. It's the end of the year. I mean, how are you feeling about that? Is it wrong to say I'm a little grateful it's over and that we survived? <laughs> I think that sums up this podcast perfectly well. <laughs> well done, sir. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. So my name is Travis. You can reach me at Hazelfish on the Twitter machine. You can reach Matt at Sail Racer. There's a lot of news that has been happening you know, since the season ended, thankfully, in a positive note. But the purpose of this episode is to wrap up the season with give some awards. So we're going to have some special guests pop on to give us their thoughts of some of these awards. And then we're going to reveal the awards you know, later in the episode as we kind of touch on a number of you know, topics that happened over the course of the season, both good and bad. Matt, in terms of awards, though, what's the best award you've ever won you know, in, in your life? When I was in college, I was in a fraternity and I was awarded our annual Athlete of the Year Award which was hilarious because I was the only one at the ceremony on crutches could not walk had completely blown out my right knee playing broom ball and then even though I did that went I can play hockey as long as I tape it up boy was I wrong <laughs> oh that's wow it, mine would be in 1986 I was the three-legged race champion of the company picnic where my grandparents worked and the thing that makes me so proud of that particular award is I kept that trophy until I was in my mid-30s. <laughs> so, you know, I took it to college with me. I took it, you know, to various homes and apartments with me. I was pretty proud of that. And um, I'm pretty sure the awards we're handing out today will just be as on par as that award was back then. In fairness to you, how many other people have you met who also had won that award? I think that's a one-of-a-kind esteemed award. And you should have, we're right to to hang on to that and display it proudly especially in college it's like hey ladies check out this award <laughs> right at the on the three-legged race all by myself <laughs> oh this might be the raciest comment we've ever had on this podcast <laughs> Ooh, turn down the temperature everybody <laughs> yeah Ooh, actually great so we've got some hot guests popping on here we're gonna talk to a few people to get their views on some of the awards that we're gonna hand out here tonight um, so this is just gonna be like any awards uh, show you've ever been a part of. We're gonna drag this on as long as we possibly can till you know we finally get to what you actually want to listen to. So, Matt, do you want to uh, start dragging this on? I am ready to get played off. Okay, that's oh boy. Well, you're bringing the heat tonight. Well done. All right, as we said earlier, we're going to get started with kind of our award show, but just like any award show, we're going to have some teases and we're going to kind of drag this out much longer than it probably should be dragged <laughs> out. So one of the guys who's going to help kind of present some of the awards to us is Rob. Rob, it has been since episode 69, the Rook Runda preview, where Stuart was in 16th place after a two to nothing loss to Bayer Leverkusen to end the first half. That was the last time we talked to you, and you were pretty optimistic, despite everything, going into 
kind of the second half of the season. At what point during the second half of the season did your optimism turn to, oh my God, what's uh, going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed I was that optimistic. Usually I'm a pessimistic guy when I talk on these things and you guys all uh, bother me with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the whole, Bruno's whole tenure uh, is is one just slowly sinking feeling of, this isn't going to go well. And um, here we go down again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So watching the team play, seeing players so out of position and just seeming like they were despondent where they were like Anton mm-hmm. sitting in, in the, you know, right back constantly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing players out of position, seeing us not be able to finish anything ever. Um, it, yeah. Bruno's tenure. I did the whole thing as a, as a piece of just not being hopeful. <laughs> and then you finally get the news he's gone. And that, I think, is the turning point of, of when it gets better. <laughs> yeah. But what we want to talk to you about is some of the awards we have are big-time awards, and I'm sure the players just can't wait to be revealed. <laughs> and, and we'll get into this later when Matt and I break down the results of the voting. But I want to get your opinion on Players of the Year. So there are a number of nominees. You've got Watoro Endo. You've got Seiru Jirasi, who are two of the big ones. Adino Mavropanos. Even Valdemar Anton. There. Some people want to throw in Sebastian Honus, but we're going to keep this as a player of the year. <laughs> sure. So we won't reveal the results of the voting until later, but any of those names stand out to you as, man, this guy, without him, we're talking about this Vita League next season. Yeah, so I've, on my notes, I've got quiet guys. Because you look at the stats, right? And the stats lead you right to one person pretty easily. That's Jiracy, right? Mm-hmm. He's the guy that's scoring the goals up front and, and making making things happen from a putting points on the board perspective. But the two quiet guys I've got that I think, you know, you mentioned, and you did mention both of them, is Anton and, and Endo, for sure. Those two guys, without them, I don't think we are able to keep games close enough that Jiracy's goals matter. So without those two guys, and Endo is just a machine. The guy is all over the pitch. He is he wears a mouth guard because he looks like he's going to fight basically every <laughs> every single every single challenge he goes into. He's he's going in and popping back out with the ball and resetting possession back in our favor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and Anton of, of the guys in the back line, I mean, Mavropanos is the more flashy guy. He's the guy that's going to go forward. He's going to push. He's going to make something happen. He, he's, when we talk about the players we want to have a beer with, right? He's he's really <laughs> high on my list for a reason. <laughs> you know, he, he he's the guy that has the flashiness. But Anton's just back there solid and steady in D the entire time. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's one of the few that played uh, or is the only that played every single game this year, right? There's 34 games in a year. Correcto. Yeah, so he's the only player on the team that played every, in every single game. The only other two, I think, are, are Endo and Fury uh, are both at 33. But Anton is just a constant, solid player back there. And I probably, if I, if I remember who I actually voted for in the form, I'm pretty sure it was Endo because mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a fanboy of his just in general with uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what he's done the last year. I think I'm, I got my – I don't know if you can read that or not. Oh. Oh, that's beautiful. The, the shirt with the endo goal, which is glorious. And I don't yeah, think nobody you guys, can see it. Yeah, you guys the, don't do video, but it's the wonderful shirt of uh, you got to read it from from back up back uh, mm-hmm. from upwards. All right, it's the wrong way. Yeah, it's the so, Match Day Thirty Four Marmouche to Ito yep. to Endo shirt that uh, a number of us purchased from Valpage supporters. So yeah, that it's it's awesome. Eka Eka Marmouche Ito verflichtet or verlangert. It's hard to read. It's upside down. And then uh, cup fall endo, right? Cup fall tour endo. 
listening, <laughs> listening to two Americans try to pronunciate and enunciate German while reading it upside down. It's is... in cursive too. And you know, we're that generation where that's a dying breed, right? So uh, it makes it even harder, but yeah, I, I know what the words are. They're just upside down and, you know, on my chest. <laughs> so you got it down to kind of players of the year between those three, it looks like. Let's talk to you about offensive player of the year. This is probably a slam dunk to most people. Do you have any wild uh, takes on this to, to throw us off? Or are you going with what most people are probably? No, gonna I, I'm going to go with what most people are going to vote for. It's got to be GRC. I mean, you got you got Sosa and Silas, who are two guys that from the last few years you would have hoped to have been more in the conversation, but for whatever reason, just didn't seem to put it together this year. Uh, and GRC comes in and fills that gap. Is the guy putting things in? The the one player I would put, you know, a little bit in contention there, but not. It's the end of the year where he came on, right? Mm. You can't forget what Fury did in the last couple of games. And, right. But if you look at the season as a whole, it, it's got to be GRC. I mean, he he's the guy up top that's actually finally finishing things when they come his way. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's much contest uh, with looking at the rest of the team and, and him there. You mentioned it earlier. Here's the last one we want to get your opinion on. I'm really excited about this one. It's the player or manager, person in management, you would like to have a beer with. You mentioned one of the guys here. Is there a player you voted for? Give us a reason why. Is there a person in management you voted for? Give us a reason why. I'm pretty sure I, I voted for Mavropanos. He just seems like a guy. He's the intense guy on the field, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you looking for in a beer? Are you looking to sit down and have some good conversation in a quiet beer garden? Or are you looking to have, you know, a, a good night out <laughs> and forget what you did in the morning type of beer, right? <laughs> so I guess it kind of depends on where the conversation or what you're looking for. But I think Mavropanos would be a, a good guy to just sit down and BS with. He seems like a guy that he, he would go hard and have a good time uh, and puts puts that, you know, Greek passion into whatever he's doing, right? <laughs> so. there's, there's that great picture of him in the locker room after they sealed the deal where he's got nothing but a towel and some flip-flops on, but he's got like three or four beers in his hand. Right? Why not? <laughs> and I think like the only Greek word I know is something because of him. He, he comes up and it was, I don't know if it was on, uh, it was on Discord or if it was on the, the subreddit at some point, the, there's a, a Greek swear word that he apparently uses often enough and you can read his ah. lips on a couple of things. So uh, like Malaka or something like that. I don't know exactly <laughs> how to say it or, or pronounce it right. But uh, you're not going like, to shout Opa at him. Is that yeah. uh... <laughs> no, but uh, the other thing that would be interesting from the year would be to have a beer with Reno, I think. Right. Mm. You know, how, how do you deal with bringing the team as high as they were, you know, getting promoted for one, bringing the team as nice and high as they were for the one year, and then just the complete backward slide that we went through this year that led to him being let go would be a super interesting conversation. And then for him to, you know, end up over at what, Hoffenheim, where uh, <laughs> where uh, you end up playing us in the last game of the year. What a crazy, just that whole storyline is is nuts. It's a Shakespearean drama almost. It's, yeah, it's, they, it's crazy. The Tom Honus Clancy versus book. Yeah. <laughs> like all the shit weaving itself together and around, right? I'm guessing Tom Clancy would be like, yeah, I'm not writing a book about this. It's not believable <laughs> at all. Here. No, I'm glad it's a positive-ish story in the end. Right, right. Uh, don't want to be too happy about having to survive the way we did. But at the same time, like you guys talked about, uh, was it, it was last week or last episode, right? It it's a relief and it felt good 
but it shouldn't be where we are. <laughs> yeah, it's the difference in, in, in European sports versus American sports, right? right. 16th place, yeah. we're having parades and we're celebrating. 16th place in the NFL, you're not even, you know, people are getting fired. And, oh, you're you know, celebrating. You got the first draft pick. <laughs> no, that's, well, as a Cleveland Browns fan, I know that celebration quite a bit here. Let's yeah. talk about celebrating. We're going to wrap it up here in like quick 60 seconds. Some news has already broken over the course of the last few weeks as the team has let some guys go, has brought some guys in. Just really quick, what are your thoughts on the summer? What are you hoping to see by August? You know, is that optimistic feeling you had in January still, yo, there now? Yeah, it's it's back. I mean, I think I saw I saw a picture on I think it was on Twitter where someone had broke down where we are with all of the managers in place, right? And where the table would be during the periods we've had. And Honus's section, um, we're I think we're sitting in like sixth or seventh or something like that, right? Right. So if we're able to not lose too much this summer, which is definitely something to be seen. I think the losses so far, the the guys that have left Tomash leaving and Kulubali leaving. And you said Adonis is the other one we talked about. We could barely remember because he hasn't played <laughs> played enough, right? Sorry, but, Adonis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those two are definitely big losses, but they're depth losses for how we were playing toward the end of the year, right? I have no problem with Silas, Fury, and Jirasi being the top three we have. That that sounds good to me. We need depth that, you know, someone needs to come in and fill some fill those spots at some point, but I don't think they're their season course changing losses mm. compared to the core of the team. So I'm happy there. Hopefully Silas can pick back up where he left off a few years ago and get some of that mojo back that he had uh, before the injury and the suspension and everything. Right. But mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm positive. Honus came in and, and really night and day turned things around, made the team fight again, made the team actually, I think we were, were we dead last when he came in? I'm pretty sure we were right. Yes, we were. Yeah. So, I mean, Hey, he's brought us up three or, or three spots uh, or two spots higher than where we were when we started, right? So mm-hmm. just continue that trend slowly but surely and build and not look for the big bang, make everything better, but just be consistent for a dang change. Yeah, three more spots next year. We'll be in Sven's first place, a 13th next year. I think we'd all yeah. take a safe 13th next year. That's yeah. perfectly acceptable to me. I mean, that's the fun thing, like you said, of the difference between American sports versus European sports, right? just being in that safe zone rather than being in the drama zone at the bottom is, <laughs> is a welcome change. I want to be the team that somebody else is playing, that they're having the conversation of, Oh, well, the players are on holiday because they're safe. Have we, <laughs> have we heard that uh, at all besides, uh, you know, the one year there in the last five years, it's not think, been a thing. <laughs> I think the one word you use to describe uh, this situation is drama. And I unfortunately believe no matter what happens, that's the way, that's the way it's going to be. So we'll see what happens, but Rob, thanks so much for giving us your insight on players of the year, offensive player of the year. And especially the most important one is I love the way you broke it down. If you want a night to remember, <laughs> maybe hang out with Reno. If you want a night you don't remember, hang out with Dino. Rob, yep. thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on again. Okay, we are still moving along with our preview of the award show. So hopefully, you know, everybody, you're still excited. I'm excited because we've got Hannes on. Johannes, know, the last time we talked to you was match day 30. Everybody was excited, right? We had just defeated Gladbach in a late win. Kulbali had that goal to uh, seal the deal there. Ted made the, the match. So we had an OFC member that was over there. Uh, we had the amazing 
backflip that Koulibaly did that day. We still had to talk about some some strange things. You know, Alexander Verrill had that really bizarre interview, you know, right around that time, kind of bashing the team a little bit. So last time you and I talked, we were at this really exciting moment. Things seemed to be really, really heading in the right direction. But then the club would go on to lose two of their next matches, right? They'd lose the Pokal semifinal against Frankfurt in kind of controversial fashion, ending our Pokal dreams. And then maybe more significantly, they would lose the away match at Hertha Berlin for the second time in two years in a row. So all the positivity seemed to be coming down a little bit. And it was the first kind of weakness we'd seen with Sebastian Honus. How were you feeling at that moment when it seemed like everything was heading in the right direction? But after the Hertha match, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, it was super weird because with the Pokal match, they played an awesome game and they fought and they lost. That can happen. But the Berlin game can't happen in the way it happened. So it was really then kind of on a tip, tipping point. Either way, we make it still with Hoeneß or all what he built up was lost because of that game and the team lost his entire confidence. So I was really like in between, no, he's a good coach. He will turn it around again. And it was clear that earlier, or sooner or later, a loss will come. Or um, will it, will that crush now everything he has built up? Yeah, it definitely seemed like it was kind of a rough go because it's the second year in a row we had seen the club do that, which leads us to the questions that we've got for you. So, Hannes, we want your opinion on a couple of them. So the first one is the Better Luck Next Year Award because we went into that Hurta match thinking, well, last year was rough. We'll definitely bounce back from that, and we didn't. So hopefully we have better luck next year if we travel to uh, Berlin, not Hurta this time as they're down in the uh, Zweite Liga. But for players who wore the Bruce string, we've got a number of nominees here. Who do you think is the leader for the Better Luck Next Year Award? So here I went with Dan Axel Sagadu, just given the flashes he showed and the potential he has. I feel like if he can have now that preparation in the summer for the season without any injury, he will be a centerpiece of that defense because he's just too good when he's good. So he just needs to kind of get a little bit more practice to get these, um, what did Matt call it, controller uh, defects <laughs> out of out of his game. And then I think he'll be a really, really great player for us. He was a player who came to the club. What about this next one? Player I wish had not departed that could have really helped the club. Who was the guy that you wish, man, I know we needed the money, but boy, it would have been nice to see him in the uniform again. So this might be a little bit controversial, but I went with actually Nario Ahamada. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people would say Kalajic, but I just think um, if Kalajic wouldn't have left, we would have never got Girassi. And I just think he's overall the better player for our team, but also also overall. So I went with Ahamada just because um, he left for us to get Haraguchi and all the other winter um, transfers. So I was uh, more sad about him leaving than about Kalajic. At that moment, I was more sad about Kalajic. But overall, now looking back, I think um, Ahamada hurt us more than the Kalajic. Look at you coming in with two hot, controversial takes here on the Ahamada and the Kalajic one. It's it's hard to argue with the Ahamada, especially because the transfers that were brought in to replace him didn't really do much after an initial 
Gil Diaz, hot flash. And then he really didn't do a ton in the Premier League either. It didn't seem like it was a transfer that worked out, you know, for either party. So it's kind of a low point, you know, for Ahamada and for the club. And that gets us to our final award, which probably isn't really an award anybody or anything <laughs> wants. It's a tough one because in a season like this, there was a lot of possible options. So the low point of the season for you, what or who got your attention? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. I think the where VfB was at its absolute worst was when Labadia got fired because we were so bad. We didn't show any promises or whatsoever. But I, I think of it more as a bigger picture um, thing. So I think the real low point was when actually Mislintat got fired mm -hmm. or when that got dragged, like his extension got so uh, dragged out for so long and there was no clear decision because that's when that original VfB special way with Hitzesberger, Arino, and Missintat finally was over because he was the last man of that um, of those three men um, that built that uh, path. So mm -hmm. I went with that. Also, a good one would have been the re like sacking Reno. But at that time, I I remember us recording an episode. I think that was my first episode actually oh, where I was ever on on the podcast. So. Um, <laughs> I think that was sad too, but it was kind of time because he tried everything and he could not um, yet get a positive change in direction done anymore. So I went there with the Mislintat just because of the bigger picture bigger picture issue versus the Labadia sacking where VfB was really at a low point. Yeah, it's tough. We did have a couple people ask on the OFC, could we just combine all of the Bruno ones into one low point <laughs> instead of breaking it up into his hire and his tenure here. So it'll be interesting to see what the OFC thinks of that because a lot of us loved the path we were on and a lot of us were scared of the path Bruno had us on, but it seemed like the path with Honus has at least gone in the right direction. So as we wrap this up with you, Honus, really quickly, the season is over. There's been some changes going on both positive and negative this summer so far. What is your hope by the time August rolls around and we're playing in the Pokal against a neighbor, as it turns out, we'll get into that a little bit later. What are you hoping the direction of the club is at, or what are you hoping is just going on with the, the club by then? So I am hoping that those um, really talented youth players we have in the U19 and U17 last season um, make a big step forward and make some of them maybe already are able to contribute um, next season. But when I then read that VfB needs to make a net win of 40 millions out of the transfer this year, and we already spent nine for Giracia, I think, um, that is something that I'm just don't know how that should work with us being like getting better this year mm -hmm. or next year. So I think we're going to fight again a relegation next year um, as much as it hurts. And, but I mean, what team can make up for 40 million um, on a more on a recurring basis? It mm -hmm. is impossible. Yeah. It's a little frightening when you try to consider, okay, which players are we going to have to sell to make up that 40 million? And then the names come up of Dino and Seiru and you're just like Borna. That's going to be a tough, uh, tough thing to recover from, but hopefully Honus can keep us on this winning path. He had a great end of the season, just like it was great to have you, Honus, back on the episode here. So hopefully 
Uh, we'll see what the results are and see if uh, the votes go your way for some of these awards, Hannes. What do you say? <laughs> Sounds good. It was a pleasure, like always. We're going to wrap up our awards show kind of preview with Ted. Now, most of you guys know Ted as the real tall guy on Discord, which, Ted, I find that kind of odd that they know you're the tall guy on Discord. It really comes through on social. <laughs> he also was the representative that went to the Gladbach match. We talked to him, episode 86. It was a one-to-four win on the road at Mainz, match day 33. Ted, the last time we talked, we were just we were so full of hope because we had that huge win. We talked about your amazing trip to see the Gladbach match in person. And then we played Hoffenheim and everything was going our direction. And it was just, I don't know, a flat tire, a flat moment. How were you feeling after all that initial optimism when the final whistle blew and the guys were just on the pitch exhausted because they knew they hadn't completed the job and relegation was still a possibility at that point. Yeah, I know. Talk, yeah, very crestfallen. Um, I would say not pessimistic. Uh, I definitely felt like there was still hope, but um, it was just disappointing that they didn't get it done in the, I don't know, so many, so many storylines in that match. It's like ending the season against, call them a rival, don't call them a rival, whatever, but a neighbor, you know, former coach, it's at home in front of our fans. Um, and so, Major disappointment, I would say, not to win that one, um, but didn't feel to me like a nail in the coffin kind of moment for our season. I feel like that Tiago equalizer showed the team still had some grit, still had some fight, um, and, and still a lot of hope left for the the relegation. Let's get into a little bit of a segue for that. So the, the couple items we want you to talk about, one of them sort of ties into that game and Tiago that at least got us to the relegation playoffs. So one of the awards we're going to throw out for this season is the high point of the season. Now the leaders in the nominations were Silas's 97 minute goal versus Dortmund, uh, Valve Bay in Texas. And then like you mentioned, the relegation match where Dino opened up with a goal to get us on the board was just 44 you know, seconds into the thing. Uh, you've also got Enzo's brace, which is a relegation, and you've got Endo's 78th-minute goal against Augsburg when things were looking really bleak. So those are the leaders in the clubhouse going into the awards that Matt and I will go reveal later in the episode. Any of those you voted for, or do you have a different one? No, I, I did. Um, I voted for FAFA in Texas. Um, that was just more so for me personally, I think, very, very <laughs> meaningful, definitely. Um, something that took my fandom to a completely different depth um, and, and depravity. Um, <laughs> so th that one personally, very meaningful. Um, I would say also my first home match against Mönchengladbach, incredibly meaningful as well um, for me personally. But I had a hard time picking between Fauve Bay in Texas and Silas's goal against Dortmund. Just like that was utterly incredible like to go two goals down a man down and still fight back what do you think is so memorable or so important about that particular match because at the end of the day it was only one point right yeah but 
Yeah, I feel like um, I'm trying to remember what the German word is. I think they call it like a Zeitenwende, like a, essentially like a, a turning point. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel like, you know, Germans have all of the great portmanteaus <laughs> of, of the world. Um, Zeitenwende is, is a great one for this because it was just like, um, you know, we <laughs> the whole season could have gone down the drain in that match. The team could have like collapsed. But similar to last season, it was like, okay, you saw the mentality of the team shine through and you're like, okay, one point, like, and we could have, you know, but it, the alternative was zero. You know, we were never <laughs> three out of that. It didn't feel like after right. we went, uh, we're so far outclassed. Um, so yeah, that a lot of hope came out of that match for me. And I think probably I, I imagine for a lot of the other fans too. You mentioned turning point, and one of the turning points were some of the newcomers of the season. Now, we intentionally left Seiru Jirasi off the newcomer list, and when I say intentionally, accidentally, we left him off the list, because he, he just seemed to be part I second guessed it. I was like, wait a minute, why is Seiru not on here? Did he actually arrive last year? At like yeah, I think, it, I know, as Rob and I talked about, I think we all know that Seiru is going to win, you know, one of the big awards, so maybe this is like American youth sports, where everybody gets a chance to win something, but... Of the nominees, you got Vagnamon, you've got Zagadu, uh, Haraguchi were some of the names, even Gil Diaz, who disappeared after two matches. Uh, who did you you know, choose in that one if Seiru is not on the list? I think Vagnamon gives Seiru a run for his money to some extent in terms of the importance. Um, so he was, he was my pick. Um, and I think that's not only for what he did this season, but also for how important he's going to be to the club going forward. And especially if we can't hang on to Sosa mm -hmm. uh, in the future, I think to have another guy who can from the wingback position, just like fly forward. Um, he had what was four, four assists, I think this season, like, so a guy who can put dangerous balls into the box Um and yeah, to see him unexpected, like unexpected to all of us, break into the national team this year. I mean, and a, a great national team, to be frank. Like, uh, you know, the records of of the German national team right now, um, <laughs> oh, Sterling. So it really says a lot that he's in that camp. Uh, but yeah, he, he would be my pick for sure. I think it's better for Josh that he plays more for the under 21 team than he does for the actual national team at this point. Cause they're, Oh man, dumpster fire. I actually saw something on Twitter where they're like, Bruno should take over. And I was actually nodding my head. I was like, yeah, probably because that makes as much sense as anything as anything else. The Bruno segue is fantastic because that's one of our awards here too, is the best hair of the season. Now, most people know that, in the Bundesliga, probably international football, these guys spend a lot of time on their hair. I remember during COVID that Mario Gomez got in trouble because his hair looked amazing. And people were like, wait a minute, barbershops are shut down. How is this possible? And there's a little bit of a scandal that I'm disappointed didn't go any further than it probably could have. So of all the guys that were nominated for best hair of the season, you had Sosa's end of day looks, cool Bali's dreadlocks, Bruno's comb over, Furich's side part, Egloff's bowl cut that you saw in person, any of those that you think stand out or is there a, a kind of a surprise pick you've got? I have to first give a, a little Mario Gomez segue because um, when I was changing my hairstyle years ago, oh no, um, I showed up at my barber and I was like, okay, how do I explain the haircut that I want? And I just showed him a picture of Mario Gomez oh. and was like, I'll never, I'll never have the face to go with this, but I want the hair, please. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I went um, Sosa. Uh, I think 
Yeah, the long locks and the the uh, you know unshaven look was was pretty awesome towards the end there. Um, yeah, it was almost like like maybe he was doing a playoff beard for relegation oh. sort of deal, something like that. I don't know. Um, Interesting. I think that was the best look. Um, I would say I, I did a little bit of a Mount Rushmore here because um, <laughs> I don't. It was hard to pick just one. Um, That's true. I would also say uh, worst. Ada um, and, and his little like boy band frosted tips. Oh, the frosted um, tips! Yeah, so I've got mad. a, I've got a frosted tip story. Like you, I, no. I, I did, I did frosted tips, but uh, it was it was the early two thousands. Everybody was doing it, is what. But I was a thirty year old man, so it was a bad look. So Ada, I've got a little sensitivity to that one, sir. Apologies, apologies. I forgot about Travis's boy band face. <laughs> yeah, just wait till we start podcasting about that. What else was on your uh, Mount Rushmore? So Eggloft too, um, but more so just because uh, Bay in Texas, when we were like, oh, all of the youth, like they must have the same barber because they're all, they all showed up with a picture of Lil Eggloft and we're like, this is the cut that I want, barber. <laughs> and also I only have 20 euros, so... <laughs> This is as good as I'm gonna get because that is not not a great look. In it's, my it's, eyes, it's a cheap haircut. It definitely is. So yeah, Lillian is a, a trendsetter there. All right, so we've got your thoughts on the high point of the season, newcomer of the season. The most important, obviously, is the best hair of the season. Let's wrap this up real quick in a minute, maybe 90 seconds. Give us your thoughts about this summer. I don't see us honestly being big movers in the transfer market. I hope that I'm wrong, um, and I hope that um i hope that we can hang on to sosa it was interesting hearing what kind of his quotes after the hamburg match where i think he kind of said you know the future is open there's definitely a chance that i'll be back um you know some of that could just be lip service to the fans but i would love if we could retain him certainly also understand that the club needs money and we can probably get 15 or 20 million for him um, probably the writing is on the wall with the Mittelstedt, um, pickup of the new left back from Hertha. I would say I'd also love to see now that we're moving on keepers and we missed and we kind of struck out on our top transfer choice. I'd love to see Dennis Simon crack into the first team for next season. I think that that's probably realistic given that he was on the, the roster, um, a few matches towards the end of the season. Um, so I'd say that's that's a big one for me too that I'd love to see. And then hanging on to Sarah as well. Yeah, strengthening in the back and maintaining the strength we have up front would just be <laughs> ideal at this point. All right, and Ted, thanks so much for joining us this time. Uh, we really enjoyed all your thoughts on the votes and all that stuff. We'll see how accurate you are in our next couple segments. But uh, Ted, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, thanks, Travis. All right. Well, thank you to all the guys. So Austin and Ted and Hannes and Rod for just giving their thoughts on some of the awards that we're going to hand out tonight here. I was awesome to have a bunch of the guys who had been on the podcast this year, this season, kind of give their thoughts on what's going on. Uh, would have loved to have Josh on and Jens and Dave. Unfortunately, they had things a little bit more uh, <laughs> busier to do than to be part of a ridiculous award show. So should we invite them back next year, Matt? Do we have much of an option? Like our stable's pretty thin. That's true. Never mind. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome back. Great job.
So let's get going with the awards here, right? So we covered some of the topics that we're going to go over today. Let's go with the low point of the season award. Okay, so Matt, here's the deal. We had four nominees for this award. The awards were all voted on by the OFC and by people on Twitter. So we took kind of all the OFC votes. And then if there was a tie, we took the Twitter votes. So the four nominees for low point of the season go to Bruno getting hired, Bruno's 10 matches in charge, Reno getting sacked, and Sven getting sacked. Matt, before we reveal the drum roll, please, of those four, which one do you think uh, you would have gone for? I'm tempted to say uh, Reno getting sacked because that was the first domino to fall in a line of garbage. But things could have gone okay after that, and they did not. So I'm going to stick with uh, the 10 games in charge from Captain Conover himself, Mr. Bruno. <laughs> drum roll, please, which is really sad. If we had any tech skills at all, we could insert some kind of drum roll into this. So <laughs> if you're listening to this, just imagine a drum roll that's out there. The low point of the season award goes to Sven Mislintot getting sacked. 31% voted for that. And this is where we would insert the fake applause at this point, but you know, we don't have that ability there. So Matt, second place was Bruno's 10 games in charge, and the Twitter voters actually chose that as their number one low point of the season. Uh, one comment was, could we just combine all of Bruno's votes into one, his higher and his 10 games in charge? <laughs> in that case, it would have been number one. But your thoughts on over 30% of the voters choosing Sven's departure as the low point of the season? It. It's hard to disagree with that, even though I didn't pick it, because Sven was kind of the vision setter for the team for the season, and it marked a complete departure from the philosophy that the team had been constructed around for the last couple of years and a shift out into the unknown. So I think if nothing else, that one would have induced the most fear and uncertainty in people. So I, yeah, all, all very worthy candidates. And I'm sure if we sat and had a few beverages, we could come up with about a dozen more, but um, makes total sense that that was the choice of the community. Yeah. I agree with Hannes and what he said that the Sven pick was my vote. It just, once he was gone, Reno was gone, Hitzesberger was gone. All the guys who had come up with the path that we had all kind of bought into were gone and it was official. It was over. We were, we're starting, you know, something, something new there. So I thought his departure was rough, especially since I actually got to meet the guy, get a picture with the guy, talk to the guy. And as soon as he got his plane back to Germany, he was a fired guy. So I felt a little sad if you're listening responsible for that. So sorry. Sorry about that, buddy. The next award is the Better Luck Next Year Award. Now, there were four nominees for this as well. We've got Lillian Agloff. We've got Dan Axel Zagadu. We've got Luca Pfeiffer. And we've got Juan Pereira. Matt, of those four leading candidates for the Better Luck Next Year Award, who would have been your choice? I think Zagadu. I feel like he's got the most potential out of the group and uh, the most likely one to have better luck next year. Ooh, I like that. Going on potential there. All right, here we go. The drum roll, please. I have to stop saying that because we have a ways to go. It is Luca Pfeiffer. <laughs> Luca Pfeiffer. With 21% narrowly edged out Juan Perea, who was my choice for kind of the uh, impact player of the year. Although last year I chose Darko Trulinov and then he got sold immediately. So, you know, 
my sorry, Juan, that's probably on me. Uh, yeah, it's hard to disagree with Luca. I mean, at least Dan Axel played a role on this team. Lillian Agloff really not get, didn't get a chance to play. Uh, Luca and Juan, Luca got some time, but every time he got on the pitch, it just became so clear that he wasn't Bundesliga ready, the poor guy. That's That was why I kind of stuck away from Pfeiffer. I don't think he'll have better luck next year. He just doesn't feel like a guy who's got it and just needs a breakthrough opportunity. I felt like he got a shot this last year and did not make the most of the time uh, that was given to him. And I don't know what you do with that other than say, you know, Hey, thanks for coming out. We're moving on. Yeah. I would be surprised. The roster is kind of full. There's 34 or 35 guaranteed contracts on the club, which is a pretty hefty group of people to have to pay. He's one of the guys I think we've got to unload. Hopefully he can find his magic again in the second division because I think that's where you know, he made his bread and butter and maybe where he can make it again. And the Juan Pereira, I was I really thought he was going to come on there towards the end, but it never never really happened for him. But I'm hoping he's still in the future. He showed some flashes uh, for the club there. So, Luca, better luck next year. Um, we probably won't send you anything for this award because I'm sure you're not <laughs> looking forward to hearing from us you know, at all. Matt, the next award is the player I wish had not departed. Okay, the four nominees for this are Sasha Kalajic, Nairobi Ahamada. We've got Mateo Klimowitz, who I believe wait, is his dad? Is that the guy who played? Is it his uncle? In the Bundesliga? His great-great-great-grandfather? <laughs> I don't recall. I don't remember that. Um, and the final one is Darko Trulinov. Of those four, who do you think... Uh, is going to be the winner here. I got to go with Sasa. It's I miss that guy. Uh, <laughs> he was so fun to watch. Um, it's tempting to go a different direction because as soon as he left us, he exploded his knee. But maybe he would have gotten player of the year like I did after I exploded my knee. That is quite the connection there. Yeah, it was over. Here it is. 57% of the OFC voted for. Sasha Kalajic, yes, the player I wish had not departed. Almost 30% voted for Ahamada. My vote was actually for Ahamada, not because I didn't want Sasha back, but I just assumed he was gone. I think we were all surprised he played the first, what, three, five games to start the season with the club. And it was so sad that not even 45 minutes into his Premier League debut, he was having to clutch that knee again. The reason why I chose Ahamada is that he had shown some signs of brilliance after some mistakes and he was really looking to be an impressive player in the midfield that we really didn't see emerge until Enzo Malo kind of took it over towards the end of the season and so he was a guy that I think had he stuck around a little bit longer had we not sold him maybe we would have had a little bit more success during those dark days of Bruno I think Ahamato would have been a nice piece and would have fit better with what the team ended up being. And Kalajic showing up, I think, just proves that over and over again. Yeah, and I, I bet he would have gone down onto the field to celebrate with the guys, too. And blown out his knee once again. Oh. I know. All right, let's get away from the negativity here. Uh, let's talk about some positivity here. We got a former management person I would like to have a beer with. You've got Pellegrino Matarazzo, you've got Sven Mislintat, you've got Tomas Hislesberger, and you've got Michi Vimmer, which, you know, kind of surprised us. Those are our four nominees 
Of those four, which one would have been your candidate? A former management person I would like to have a beverage with. I'm going to pick Matarazzo because we both speak clean American English, and that's way better than my super broken German. Um, and also just he strikes me as a fascinating dude with the education that he has and his background to go over and play low level football in Germany and try to make it. There's got to be a mentality there and a tenacity and a love for the game that I think would just be a fantastic story to hear told over a few beverages. The thing that I think I found interesting was with all the disaster that's happening with the U.S. national team coaching, going back to a coach we used to have. And then currently the German national team is a complete dumpster fire. And mm -hmm. when Pellegrino was hired by Hoffenheim, you and I both said, listen, this isn't going to work. He's not a, a firefighter. He's a guy who builds something. And he proved us both wrong. He was able to build them through the course of the season. So it'd be really interesting to get kind of his background on all that stuff and find out exactly what grappa is, you know, that he says that he <laughs> likes to drink. So I'd be interested in that. So let's find out the results here, Matt. Of those four candidates, the OFC winner of the former manager person I like to have a beverage with is indeed Pellegrino Matarazzo with 40% of the vote. Matt, you've got the last two correct in a row. So Pellegrino, if you are out there, Matt's buying. I would happily buy Matarazzo a couple beers. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, he wants grappa, Matt. That's why you're not invited to this party. I, you know, I don't know if I can afford grappa. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's go to the current management. Of the current management, who would you like to have a beverage with? So same question, but people that are still on the payroll, although I guess most of the people we just mentioned are still on the payroll. About mm -hmm. me. So, I mean, that's one of the problems there. So here are the nominees here. Sebastian Honus, current manager. You've got Philip Lom, who is a secret advisor of some sort. You've got Sammy Kadira, which I found was interesting, and Klaus Vogt. So those are the four current upper management people that the OFC narrowed down to who they would like to have a beverage with. I like this question a lot. I'm going to go with Philip Lom to hear the World Cup stories. Oh, okay. Then that's so it. I, I, yeah. Then <laughs> <laughs> I, he, so he was part of that the team that beat Brazil 7-1. to one. That was an epic game. Uh, I remember watching that game live uh, at my parents' late cabin on dodgy satellite TV uh, while everybody else was out playing on the water and wondering why I was sitting staring at a very small TV uh, watching <laughs> a very strange game. Um, but just that, that whole – that team was kind of a team of destiny and Lom was the captain of that team. And I bet he's got some amazing stories from that time. And it would be way more fun than asking him, what are you doing here? Because I'm still not entirely sure why he's with us. But what is your job with Val Bay? Other than, I mean, out. I could go office space and pretend I'm one of the Bobs and say, what did you say you do here? <laughs> but I don't think that'd be entertaining for either of us. Really? I think you would have the same answer as the protagonist in that movie. He's like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> My vote was for Klaus vote. Oh, that rhymes. I would like to sit down with him and just be like, Hey, what's, what's going on? You know, from uh, an American perspective, we have no idea what's going on, but it seems like from what I follow on Twitter, the Germans have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so maybe you can explain to me what's, what's going on. And, uh, It'd be kind of interesting to, because we've been relatively harsh on the upper management here. And I 
think most of these people are good people. I think that most of them are, are good guys. I think communication on Alexander Vero's part is really disastrous. I have a hard time believing that Klaus Vogt was such a good guy a couple of years ago, and now he's this James Bond villain now. You know, I, I, that, that Vogt that, would be fascinating from the, the villain turn kind of standpoint. Everybody's the hero of their own story. And so getting his perspective on that and juxtaposing that with the the message that we get from like the Reddit community mm-hmm. that vote has turned into the devil would be really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to hear his side of the story. So the results of the OFC current management uh, personnel I'd like to have a beer with is Sebastian Honus. 53% of the vote, Matt, we were both wrong on this. What was the question you would ask Sebastian if you had a chance to sit down and have a beverage with him? What do you say at halftime? Oh, geez. Great question. The team comes out and plays like a completely different team after he talks to him at halftime. And the adjustments he makes are phenomenal. And A, so what do you say at halftime? And B, why don't you say some of that before the game? I would ask him, where did you get your hair plugs at? Because they look great. <laughs> the picture of you on transfer marked and the picture that I see of you now, that's not the same. And as somebody who wishes he had a good head of hair i'm all for science and all that stuff i'm, I'm turning on this maybe i'm, I'm leaning the honus route the more we, we talk about this because also ask him about the personalities of the players like who's who's your rock star in practice because you've coached i've coached you know you've got that guy that is your go-to your guy or gal in practice that is your go-to like this person's solid and i can trust them with everything Who's the one screwing off in the corner that you've got to constantly go like, hey, come on, knock it off, get back in here. Like, what, What's the locker room dynamic like? That'd be a fascinating take from him. I, I read some of these phrases about the new modern coach, and I don't know exactly what that means. Assume it means you get into the psychology as much or more than the X's and O's. And you said it, that he had figured out what this team does well. And there's a lot of things they don't do well, but he focused on what they do well. They play three at the back, they attack, and that's what they do. That's what they know. Um, Anton can't play right back, that kind of thing? <laughs> well, I mean, come on. I think Drew's still out <laughs> on that. Let's not go crazy. But he was able to figure out the psychology of these guys and get them to believe again, and the body language looked different, the, the spirit mentality looked different. They still made mistakes. There was still that Hertha Berlin match where they had the mental lapse. They still didn't perform at the Hoffenheim match, right? But it, they came back, they fought, blah, 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 all the stuff we mentioned over and over again. I would be really interested how he was able to figure out the psychology of it so quickly, but more so now that he's got a whole summer to implement whatever it is he's going to do, how different is it going to look the first 10 games of next season versus the 10 or so games he managed this season that yeah getting a sneak peek at what we can expect next season would be fascinating yeah so sebastian congratulations on uh, a beverage i think uh after the celebration all he had was water so maybe we'll just end up having to going back to reno and having a drink with him instead <laughs> at this party but sebastian <laughs> hey reno guess what the new guy said <laughs> this guy's talking so much trash about you. <laughs> All right. Some uh, close to home ones here. So our next OFC award goes to the Discord member of the year. So this is strictly for the OFC. So we've got David, who uh, set up the Discord. We've got Ted, the tall guy who's on there. We've got Pass Master. There's only three nominees for this. 
I'll tell you my vote. My note, it goes to Dave. Dave was the guy who set up the whole OFC Discord. There's a lot of chat there. I know you're on Discord a lot more than I am. You know, who would be your pick for this one? Dave started all. It's it's hard not to give it to him. Um, there's a gentleman named Stefan who's out in Seattle who's on there a lot as well, who's a great contributor. Really, that whole community has been fantastic. And with Reddit falling in on itself <laughs> and imploding, it's really nice to have the Discord to go to to get some news and updates and talk to some people and get some thoughts. So I'll give it to Dave for setting it up. Thanks so much for setting that up. And getting that going is a great way for us all to communicate. Another way to communicate is the Twitter machine, which is still alive after a lot of people said it was going to uh, kind of perish there, but maybe it still will. So hanging on by a thread. Yeah. So we've got four nominees for this one. We've got Jens, 1893, who was nominated for this. We've got Tim Shumi fan, who was nominated for this. Our very own Valafe Stuttgart Americana Twitter that was put up with this and Matt, you were put up for this as well. So we've got four nominees. I'm hoping you choose yourself, but who of all those do you think is the best pick? I feel like a mistake just for the amount of typos alone. A <laughs> um, lot of strong entries here. Uh, Gotzi 1893 um, from Reddit would be a strong follow to if you can German enough because um, he doesn't post much in English. Uh I'm, I'm torn between Jens because Jens provides good information and uh, our Americana account because I like shit talking with the Americana account. <laughs> the loophole here is not a loophole, I guess. The technicality is it's the OFC Twitter member of the year. Okay, so keep that in mind. So the winner of this award goes to Shumi Fan. Tim, congratulations. You won this and a number of the people who wrote in why they voted for uh tim is that he provides a really nice counterbalance to some of the commentary that we have you know he's a little bit hard-hitting i met tim in texas he didn't hold back on some of his opinions about what he thought the club was doing well what he thought the club needed to improve on so tim congratulations uh hope things are going well down in north carolina there keep the hard-hitting questions you know coming he was a frequent contributor to the podcast in our q a which we really appreciated there uh, Jens uh, and Godzi, you guys uh, you haven't joined the OFC, so are you doing slackers? <laughs> yeah, you. This was your chance to win whatever award Tim's not going to get. So anyway, congrats, Tim. I do want to say it is great having Tim as a balance from our nonsense um, on there, and that that we can have those kind of combined and that back and forth on there is what that's really this group. And that and some Michigan football people are the only reason I put up with all the insanity on Twitter still. It is funny. I scroll through Twitter and I'm like, what am I doing here? Especially yeah. now I'm getting all kinds of ads for like wrist enhancement and cleaning my windshield. The ads on Twitter are getting just crazy. But I'm like you. I'm just on there for one reason. And it's, yep. it's the Stuttgart uh, faithful there. So that's why I don't think Twitter's the worst thing in the world, but I keep a pretty yeah. view of things. <laughs> it's, my... it's not Facebook, Travis, but it's pretty bad. Well, I'm still on MySpace, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> MySpace? I never upgraded from Friendster. Come on. Well, as soon as I plug in my AOL CD, I'll see what's going on. <laughs> All right, so here's our next one. I really like this one. We added it late. The 
kit of the season. So we've got all kinds of nominees, but the four leaders in the nominations became the away kit. So the black away kit, the home kit, you know, the classic white with the red stripe, the special diversity kit, and the third kit, which was the black and red kit. I loved all of these. I bought way too many of them this season. I really was hoping that they would wear the diversity kit in the second relegation match because we had almost had it locked up, and I really wanted to get a win in that one because we did not get a win in it when we wore it the one time this season. I was hoping they'd wear the black and uh, red one if they didn't wear the diversity one in that second relegation match because we only had one draw in that, and I really wanted to have a win in one of those. I was a sucker for the diversity kit. I thought that thing was just sweet as all get out. What about you? I'm going to go diversity kit on this one too. It looks awesome. Um, I bought one as well because I am also a sucker. (laughs) And every time I wear it, my children get excited because, you know, I have two little girls and my princess is seeing daddy with a shirt that's got a rainbow on it. (laughs) And they love it. And I just love that it represents the stance that the club takes of everybody's welcome here. And we're going to openly show this and support it and not just say it with empty words. We're putting it literally right on our shirts. And what I liked about that diversity kit this year is that unlike the previous year, which was a sweet one too, it was white as opposed to the mm-hmm. kind of black gray that it was this season is that they made unlimited numbers of it. So you could order it for as long as your heart uh, desired there. So with, of the vote. The OFC voted for the special diversity kit. So congratulations to, and I told myself I was going to try to figure out if it's Jaco, Jaco, (laughs) Jaco, whoever it is that's making them. Darn it. Uh, You guys just nailed it. You've nailed so many of these kits since you guys have taken over from Puma. Uh, Even the home kit was sweet. It, It is so difficult to make a white shirt with a red stripe different. It'll be a lot easier next year because Mercedes-Benz won't be a part of it anymore because they're <sighs> tailing out of it. But they have just been rocking it with that. I really like the black and red one um, a lot. That one won a lot of the um, awards from just outsiders who were just they, – they appreciate your creative kits. But the diversity kit, when they came up with that, um, I'm sorry, that thing was – was just sweet so it's too bad there had to be a loser there but you guys man whatever you're doing you guys are doing some good stuff and i'm actually perversely excited to see what the next one's going to be even though it means the club's going to be out 10 million dollars because that's how much mercedes-benz was giving for the kit sponsorship as of this broadcast they haven't released who is going to be the new kit sponsor Verrill said about six weeks ago that within two weeks he would announce it and here we are still kind of in the dark. So I have complete confidence that the, the Jocko guys will take whatever sponsor logo comes our way and make it look beautiful and, and maintain the integrity of the shirt, which is awesome. It's a hard thing to do. There's not much that you can do with a white shirt and a red white shirt and a red stripe on it, but they managed to make it look cool and kind of fresh every year. And that's fun. I still think it would be hilarious for Porsche to sponsor us and just stick a thumb in their down the street neighbors. But I will continue to lobby red stripe beer <laughs> and Rostolium 
to be our shirt and sleeve sponsors. I mean, Red Stripe, I know somebody from Red Stripe, they've got to have an intern that's assigned to listen to this nonsense by now, right? I would hope um, so. been harassing them on Twitter for so long. Stephanie, the Red Stripe in- intern, come on. Call, call whoever it is you bring coffee every morning. It's obvious. It's a beer with a red stripe. It's a soccer team with a red stripe. Let's make this happen. What are we fooling around for? It writes itself. Exactly. I, I'm interested, though, who will be the new shirt sponsor? I mean, there are a lot of funny memes that are being posted about who will be the new sponsor from, uh, <laughs> was it only only fans to, um, <laughs> to you know, just everybody's having fun just kind of making fun of who it's going to be. It's, it is a big financial blow for the club. Let's not, you know, make light of that. 10 million uh, yeah. is nothing to sneeze at. And then there's another 5 million that's somehow involved either in the stadium or in other aspects of it. So it's going to be tough to replace that revenue. It's kind of exciting to see who's going to be the new sponsor of the shirt. Uh, nothing's really been out there yet. So we'll kind of see what happens with that, but Anyway, the special diversity kit is the OFC champion here with 35% of the vote. I'm really excited, though, that 22% of the voters chose the traditional white and red, which is, you know, kind of cool. Respect uh, respect the tradition there. So, It's a beautiful shirt. It's distinguished and dignified, and you can recognize it anywhere. And it just looks dang good, and it's hard not to pick that one. Our next one, Matt, is moment of the year. So this is the moment of the year. The nominations are Honus getting hired, the playoff victory, Valpe in Texas, and the 3-3 comeback draw versus Dortmund. What do you think? If I had gone on the Texas trip, I'd probably say that, but I didn't. So I'm going to say the draw against Dortmund because that made my head explode. With 40% of the vote from the OFC, it was the Dortmund 3-3 3-3 draw, despite being a man down, Silas scoring that 97th minute goal. Uh, that's I actually voted for the playoff victory that Dino's 44-second goal, because that just took all the nerves out of everything. From that point forward, we were on the gas. Hamburg was on their heels. And even though it got a little scary the first four minutes of the second match, it was all but over You know, after that. So that's what I picked, but I can't argue. I mean, it was funny because that particular match was just an epitome of what Honus had done with the club, right? They totally. They came back. They never gave up. Um, just showed they weren't going to give up. And it was only one point, like Honus and I were talking about, but that was one <laughs> pretty big point. It was huge. And just the the Mavropanos goal, that was my first, we might be okay. So, yeah, I can, I can easily make a case for that. The hair of the season. I, I like this award because these guys in the Bundesliga, if there's one thing they really care about, it's it's their hair. So the nominations for hair of the season go to Chris Furich in his side part, Bruno's comb over. So, Bruno, you're still in this here. We've got Koulibaly's dreadlocks mm-hmm. and Borna Sosa's end of days look. Matt, I don't think I could pull off any of these other than Bruno's comb over pretty soon. Which one would you have uh, voted for? Burrich's hair is impressive because it does not move despite all of the very vigorous running he does out on the field. 
Koulibaly's is amazing because he's got sweet dreadlocks and he looks cool with them on. And I would look like a total clown uh, with dreadlocks and not just because I'm a large white man. Um, I, I'm going to have to go with uh, Bruno's comb over as well, just for the comedy factor. It's a, at some point when, when you're thinning, you just have to accept it and either keep it close cropped and hope that you can hide it as long as you can, or just shave it and accept fate. Yeah. Far be it from me to mock anybody's looks. (laughs) (laughs) Same. same. As Rob and I discussed, there's a reason we don't YouTube these episodes, (laughs) Uh, but there were, yeah, there were some pretty funny pictures of Bruno celebrating and his body was going one direction and his hair was going another direction. And, um, Age is not a friend to any of us. Let's just, you know, put it that way. Um, I I really like the Chris Furich side part. Like you said, it had a very Mario Gomez look to it where it did not move at all. It just stayed the same. As Ted and I were discussing, he could head anything off and that hair wasn't moving. But it looked a little bit too much like Flo Mueller's haircut. So they kind of mm-hmm. got lost, lost in the wash uh, for me. So, the hair of the season goes to with 33% of the vote, Borna Sosa's end of days look. Congratulations, Borna. Um, we should send him some product. What kind of we product? Like, uh, yeah, something we- really cheap and generic because he doesn't need anything. He just lets it kind of hang there with that weird headband thing. Did I don't watch- understand those. Did you watch Ted Lasso? Yeah. And how Jamie He's- Hart had the kind of weird headband thing looking? Okay. Yeah, and I, I saw an interview with the guy who plays Jamie Tart, and he said one of the running jokes that I had was trying to make Jamie's hair look a little worse every episode. <laughs> and I feel like it looked more and more like Barnes as the season went on. <laughs> there was a great picture. I wish I could give credit to whoever put it out on Twitter of Borna Sosa when he showed up at Stuttgart, and he's got this very close, shaved, young look to Borna uh, Sosa after like the Hoffenheim match, where he's uh-huh. like, you know, like he's on, you know, The Walking Dead. It's like, this is how, this is what Stuttgart does to you over the course <laughs> of just a couple seasons. It ages you so much. But man, Borna, yeah. Uh, those guys we just mentioned, um, Koulibaly's gone, you know, as we record this. Uh, Borna Sosa, we're still not sure, you know, where he is going to be. Do you want to say any goodbyes to Koulibaly or any thoughts on, on Borna's uh, future, his club just uh, club. His country just finished second in the Nations League or whatever that tournament was that Croatia that thing that thing. thing with the people where they play the stuff. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Koulibaly's flair, but not a whole lot else. If I'm honest, he's been kind of hot and cold for us. So um, it was always a little exciting to see him coming on the field because you never knew what was going to happen, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to miss Tomash really, who yeah. got recalled by sporting because I feel like he was just finally coming into his own for us and then found his footing. And the goodbye message that he posted on mm-hmm. the social media was just really touching how much he felt like Stuttgart had become home for him. And it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if we were able to bring him back mm-hmm. um, as long as it's for less than the $15 million <laughs> price tag that was on him. I, I feel like Sosa is a done deal. I don't feel like we can afford to keep him with the amount of attention he's drawing. And I'm going to miss that left-footed crossing magic 
from out wide. It sounds like we've got a guy coming in who can not quite cross the ball as well, but is a little bit more of a shooting threat, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But Sosa is a very unique talent, and it's been a lot of fun to watch him develop uh, on Mercedes-Benz Strasse the last couple of years. Yeah, I think I have the same feeling about Sosa as I had about uh, Sasha. Is Mm -hmm. I appreciate the time they put in. And we all knew that that time wasn't going to be, you know, forever. Whereas somebody like Endo, for some reason, I could see him being with us for a long time, especially if we established ourselves as a mid-table club. You know, we're not always, you know, fighting relegation. Uh, it's weird, though. I got a strange feeling that the Sosa market value is going to be kind of lowball. I just don't feel like the market for whatever it is he actually does is going to be very high. I think we're going to be really disappointed in the amount of money we pull in uh, for him because he plays such a particular position. And he has such a particular skill set. I think he's going to need a very particular club that wants that. And I'm a little concerned about that. I'm going to miss cool Bali too. It's really bizarre because he showed so many flashes of potential and he was in the doghouse this season with Bruno. And then he emerges under Honus and he becomes a super sub. And you're like, he's figured it out. He's figured it out. And then he doesn't even make the roster in the second relegation match. And you're like, what is happening? It's like almost like an Alexander uh, Maxine situation where we love his talent, but no matter who the coach was, it was the same result every time where he was on the bench. And Koulibaly was a little bit like that. So I'm definitely going to miss him. I thought we could have kept him really cheap. Uh, his message, he put a nice message out there too, just like uh, Tomash did. Tomash is going to hurt because I hear that Wolfsburg is looking at him. So that's going to be a weird, like Omar Marmouche going to another one. Yeah, after that. But uh, yeah, cool. While he's going to be, you know, I appreciate everything he did. You know, hopefully he can uh, realize that potential. But I agree with you. Tomash is the one. And Borna, you know, especially if he goes to another league, I'm going to be really excited for him, just like I was for Orel. Mangala, just like for Kalijic and hopefully, you know, for Borna. I feel like Borna is a guy that a uh, newly promoted English team or one that just avoided relegation will take a chance on uh, with his experience fighting relegation and uh, his ability to create chances when there's not much else going on there. Uh, Somebody will take a flyer on him and overpay. I don't think we'll get the big bankroll we thought we would, but I think we'll get a nice return for him. How awesome would it be? I would actually pay attention to the Premier League if he joined, I don't know, Wolverhampton? Or a particular, Ooh. there's a uh, somewhat tall Austrian that uh, plays over? <laughs> that, would be- that, that would be an amazing move by Wolverhampton. And because it would be amazing, they won't do it. But they should. <laughs> it would be awesome. We are talking about players leaving. Let's talk about players coming. So the Newcomer of the Year Award. We've got four nominees for this. We intentionally sort of left off. Seru Jurassic, because it probably would have been too easy. So we got Gil Diaz, Dan Axel Zagadu, Jasha Vagnamon. We have got, let's look at my notes. How was SG? Who's SG? Not Seru Jurassic. SG is Seru Jurassic. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Uh... No, it's Seru Jurassic, Travis. No, it's not. There's <laughs> Travis, another... it's Seru. <laughs> Here we go. All right, I'm gonna go down. Wouldn't be Gil Diaz. It was Gil Diaz. Say rude. There was two write-in votes. That's what it was. Oh, okay. All right, let's move on. Damn it, Matt, you were ready. Again. 
one of the reasons we sort of left Seiru off this is because he could be up for some of the other awards. And this is America. We like to give everybody a chance at an award. Of those four, let's get Seiru out of there. I think the answer is pretty obvious here. Josh Avagnamon had the biggest impact as the season went on. Any disagreement with that? Or, you know, want to give Gil Diaz a shout out for showing up for two games and then going away? <laughs> Gil Diaz came out and was great. And then he turned back into Gil Diaz. And that was interesting. Um, Fagnamon was wonderful because we needed a right back desperately. Uh, the Anton experiment was a disaster. And Josh just showed up big time. He got a national team call up. I feel like he's on the cusp of becoming a real big name in German soccer. And it's fun to have him on our team uh, as he's doing that. And he played great down the stretch too. Yeah, he really did. So we've got the drum roll, please. Drum rolls going to be really quick. Sorry, Josh. 84% of the OFC voted for Josh Abagnemann for this one. I think what's really interesting is he came from Hamburg and we thought he would light things up immediately, but it took him some time. When Bruno showed up, obviously everybody knows the Anton experiment. We're like, what's going on? And then there was that crazy situation where he got called up to the German national team, which was just bonkers. And he was a bench player for us. And then he got his first senior appearance. And then once Bruno was like, go, he started to play and he started to play really well uh, on that side. And he became a big difference maker, you know, for, for the club. Going forward, it was really cool, too. He was able to score a goal against Hamburg, which helped us in the relegation. But that is his former club. That's where he's played his entire life. He didn't celebrate against him. I'm sure it was a difficult situation for him. Um, but Joshua was the runaway winner in this one. Any of that surprise you, or does that all make, make sense? Not at all. Makes. I'm a little surprised we didn't have more uh, Jirasi write-ins as protests. I know. But um, <laughs> it was pretty clear, I feel like, why we left him off. Um yeah, Vagnamon's the obvious answer for me. Let's go to the substitute player of the season. So we've got Tomash, Koulibaly, and Silas. Who are you voting for, Matt? Thiago Tomash, because he, down the stretch, was just our go-to guy when we needed a pick-me-up and some pressure and some energy. And he was so good, in fact, that we were making the case that he should be starting over Chris Furich. We are geniuses, is what we are. All right. Well, it turns out, drum roll, it is going to be Tangai Kulabali, 70% of the vote. Now, this is one of the only ones where the Twitter vote and the OFC vote were off. Twitter vote gave almost 60% to Chris Furich for the super sub of the season. I voted for Kulabali because I just thought he really came on towards the end. It was weird. Tomash and Chris Furich and Koulibaly, those are three, you know, pretty good players. And as Rob said in his segment, it stinks that we're losing, you know, Koulibaly and Tomash. But then one good thing is we're losing depth players. It's not like they were constant starters all the time. So that is the one thing that makes you feeling good, I guess, going forward. It's much nicer to have your depth guys be the ones that you're talking about potentially leaving than it is your starters. Uh, like, I don't know. Dino and yeah. so sad, but let's not go down that sad rabbit hole. You mentioned Dino, Defensive Player of the Year. So we've got four nominees for this one. We've got Ito, Endo, Anton, Dino for Defensive Player of the Year here. All pretty standout players. Dino had a rough 
you know, weekend for his uh, Greek national team, got a red card, let up a penalty kick. The penalty kick was blocked, but he ran across the line too soon. So they got to retake the penalty kick. So it was a rough weekend for him. Endo and Ito had an assist and a score in their friendly against Peru. Endo actually had the assist to Ito there. So they are still playing there. So of those four guys, defensive player of the year, Matt, this is kind of your forte, your Mr. Defense. Um, which one of those guys do you think deserves the award? It's hard to not say Endo because he's kind of our do-all, be-all, great guy for everything. But purely defense, I'm going to go with Ito. Um, his ability to track back and give us some flexibility and defenders running forward and creating some some havoc in the offensive end is really a big part of what made this team run going down the stretch. And he's got some offensive chops, but he's such an unselfish player that if Dino or Anton go on a barreling run forward, he's back in half a heartbeat and he's so fast that if he's not back in half a heartbeat he'll catch the guy who got back in front of him and he might be the guy who can replace Borna a little bit if Borna does end up leaving he had some nice free kicks and some nice crosses in I voted mm -hmm. for Anton on this one uh, everybody knows that I'm a fan of his I liked how when he made the switch from right back back to center back he was kind of the quarterback of the defense there but just seemed to be everywhere. I thought he played really, um, really well in that first relegation match. Just shut down their top score there. So the results of the OC vote here, this is kind of bizarre because this is the only other one that the OFC vote and the Twitter vote were different on this one. I'm a little surprised by this, but the winner of the Defensive Player of the Year by the OFC is Dino Mavropanos with 33% of the vote. 3% more than Endo, which was the Twitter winner of this. I'm going to say this is a little bit of fanboy love, that we all love Dino. We love his passion. You've said before that he's kind of the avatar for the club. I thought it would have been more Endo or Anton in this one, but you know what? It's I'm not going to argue with Dino getting an award on this one. I think what we're learning here is that American fans love it when a large Greek man takes his shirt off and... <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna argue with that. <laughs> There's our demographics have proven <laughs> that's pretty much the case. So Dino, congratulations on the defensive player of the year award. Sorry that you're getting this award after you gave up a penalty kick and a red card by kicking some guy in the face. <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> if Dino kicked him in the face, I'm sure he had it coming. Yeah, you got that guy deserved it. All right, the offensive player of the year award. Do you want to, I don't know, do you want to try to make this uh, dramatic at all? Or If it's anybody other than Jirasi, I will be shocked. It is actually 90% of the vote goes to Seiru Jirasi on this one. Uh, congratulations to Wataro Endo and Borna Sosa for even being nominated uh, for this. <laughs> but uh, Seiru has scored twice for his national team over the course of the break. He had... 14 goals total for the club. The guy was a life, you know, saver for he's probably the only guy had even healthy that could have saved Bruno's existence. Hope we can keep him because I don't know who else can score because he was the one guy. And it just seems like you and I have talked about how like forwards would be an easy position. You just put them out there. They have the natural instinct to score or you don't, right? Mm -hmm. be like one of those guys who is growing into the position and He's either on one of the hottest runs a guy can be on, 
or he's growing into that position to be one of the top strikers in the Bundesliga. I feel like it's got to be the latter. It, if he was just on a, a hot run, we'd see it coming to an end. But his continued success with his national team tells me the light has gone on, something has clicked. I got a notice on my phone that he, there was a transfer for Jirasi for $9 million and my heart stopped for half a second, but it just turned out that it was processing the, like the transfer markets finally processed that we extended him. <laughs> um, but I almost wet my pants from that. Uh, he, he was our lifeline at the end, as, as you said, and it would be phenomenal if we could keep him for another year and have him show what he can do and then either cash in on him or ideally keep him around for a few more years and let him keep having some success and that red striped shirt <laughs> red stripe oh Sabre, you've had a great run with us you having a great run with your national team it was a uh, far and away it was the largest vote here 90 percent. it was the easiest vote here too the guy was just i mean i agree with what you said a couple episodes ago that it should just be allowed to stand if a goal looks really cool. Like that goal he had that was ruled out because of offsides against Hamburg where he flicked it with the back of his heel. Um, Ridiculously cool. Yeah. He was a lot of fun to watch. Hannes had a little bit of a controversial take about how he believes that Seru is better than uh, Sasha, which you know what? Hannes, I hope you're right. Because if that's true. I, I could see if the argument is he's a more complete striker. I think there's a big argument to be made there. So let's go to the last two, Matt. We're going to wrap this up with two of the most important ones. The current player I'd like to have a beer with. <laughs> so we've got Dino Maverpanos, Borna Sosa, Wataro Endo, and a surprise nominee, Fabian Bredlow. So goalies are, goalies are nuts. So Bredlow might be fun just because goalies are nuts. Endo would be the one to sit down if you wanted to have an in-depth intellectual conversation about football, I feel like. But I think Dino would just be a heck of a lot of fun to go to a bar with and just shoot the boogies. Like, <laughs> he just seems like a good time. I like what Rob said, that if you want a night to remember, you'll go out with you know Wataro or Pellegrino because you'll be able to discuss things. If you want a night that you don't remember, go out with Dino because it's going to get kind of bonkers. I actually would choose of these four, Fabian Bredlow. I would, I would love to get the thoughts on a guy who's kind of worked his way up. He's never been really appreciated for what he does. Uh, to see what that's like, I think Wataro is too much like you and I. He's a dad with four kids. He's gonna have like I don't know. He'll have one beverage. He'll be like, you know what, Matt, I gotta go change the diaper, <laughs> and be like, okay, you're just going to bed. I get it. There's no way I could hang with Dino, and I think Borna is just when you try to hang out with certain friends, you want them to look a little bit, I guess, less attractive than you do. So <laughs> you look a little bit more attractive and hanging out with Borna. I'm going to look like, you know, Igor in this situation. So I'm going to go the surprise uh, one here with Fabian. Is there anybody who wasn't on this list who you would have uh, chosen? You know, uh, Jirasi might be fascinating. Um, actually Silas, because his whole story with his agent and the name change and all that, I bet that's a phenomenal story would be probably a little sad and would feel <laughs> bad for him and that he had to go through all of that, but yeah. still absolutely fascinating. Yeah. That's a, you're a bit of a downer. You know who we <laughs> should have put on here is Enzo Milo. Cause that's the guy who goes, gets a tattoo right before a match. <laughs> we should see 
what he's doing. And Enzo would be the guy that you'd order a good bottle of wine and halfway through a bunch of tequila shots show up and he'd just be smiling. <laughs> I don't know where this came from. <laughs> Guess we have to drink it. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So congratulations to the winner with 30% of the vote by the OFC was Dino Mavrapanos here. Uh, we were joking earlier in the episode that there's that picture of him after they had survived with him and his towel and his flip-flops and two fistfuls of beer <laughs> in the locker room there. I can't argue with that. Dino seems like a, a passionate, good guy. I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing around Dino, though. Yeah, that's the only – there's a chance that you're going to get in a bar fight if you go out with Dino. <laughs> okay. But otherwise, he seems like a heck of a lot of fun. No, that, that would be a good group there to uh, to hang out with. So the last one here is the player of the year. This was a super tough one. This is a really close one. Uh, our vote for the OFC aligned very well with the vote of the Twitter uh, universe here. So here's what we got. You got Sabre Jirasi. You got Dino Mavropanos. Borna Sosa with Haro Endo. Those are the four guys that had the most votes for the OFC player of the year, which – we got to come up with some kind of award to send over there. We mentioned it like a baseball or a, a ham last episode. There's got to be something we could send over there. Box before, of Twinkies. <laughs> before we reveal the results of this, uh, who is your choice for this? And uh, just thoughts on maybe all four of those guys. I'm going to keep it brief to, to not wax poetic endlessly here, but Endo has got to be my pick. The The team start, has stuck together for a couple of years now, all under his captaincy against a lot of uh, huge odds against them, a lot of diversity or a lot of adversity, um, a lot of problems, and then all the mix-ups with the, the management of the club and the coaching changes and the consistent thing has been endo and the effort level. And I feel like a lot of that can be driven. He's not making tactical decisions, but he can keep the guys in line, make sure they're doing their job, showing up to practice. Um, so I give endo a lot of credit for that. And he's my player of the year. It's interesting. Of these four guys, I think they bring four different things. I think Borna Sosa is the actual veteran of the club. He's been here the longest, uh, but he's also the guy who said that Borna or said that Bruno is the best coach he's ever had. And I wonder if there was something lost in translation there. But Borna, I think, to a lot of us, represents the path of what could have been had everything worked out a little bit. And it's going to be sad to see him go, but we're going to wish him really well. Dino represents the passion, I think, of the mm -hmm. fan base and the club and just watching a young guy overcome his injuries. We steal him from Arsenal for nothing, and he's going to eventually you know, leave Sugar for four, five, maybe – seven times you know that amount that we got there but his passion is just amazing it, then you get Seiru who showed up and just it's weird because initially he was a bit of a mercenary right he played for Cologne he played in France he came to the uh, Stuttgart and he was on loan and it's hard to invest yourself as a supporter into a guy who's kind of wearing a lot of different uniforms but he seemed to just dive into being part of the Stuttgart mentality just really, really quickly. It was really kind of awesome to see how fast he did that. And then you got Wartoro Endo, who is the quiet leader, but is also the leader by example, who is scoring goals, blocking goals, and all that stuff. So I love that all four of these guys were up for the nomination. My vote was going to be like you, Wartoro Endo, for this. I, 
he scored that goal against Augsburg, which Ted and I talked about. It was an ugly goal, but it was a point that we needed to survive. He scored the opening goal against Mainz. There, he's everywhere on the pitch. He's captain of the Japanese national team now. I mean, the guy's everywhere. So, of those four, four great nominees. Um, all right, here it is. You ready to reveal the final award that we're about to give? Stop teasing me, Travis. Who's it? <laughs> With 53% of the vote, it is indeed Wataro Endo. Legendo, congratulations, Wataro. Hope, I'm pretty sure you're asleep right now since you, you know, got kids and stuff like that. But congratulations, <laughs> Matt. You nailed it. He's He's our rock right now. And no matter what changes around him, if Endo's there, we know we're going to get a solid effort in a cohesive locker room. And so without him, uh, Jirasi can't do what he does. Dino's passion becomes unbridled madness. We need an Endo to keep all the other pieces together. And I'm grateful we have him and regularly wear my Legendo kit when I'm panicked about what's going to happen in the match which so you know basically every weekend it's funny you say that the i don't like to put players names on the back of my kids because players come and go and all that stuff but there's very few that i will do that for and he's one of them and so legendo hats off to you man hopefully you're resting up you have put a lot of miles on those legs this season yeah Um, you're a busy dude guy deserves a break after everything he's dealt with for our club this season and then the duty he's done for the national team as well. We're lucky to have him. Um, I like watching Japan now. It's fun to see them with Endo and Ito. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gives me another national team to get excited about. Uh, But yes, Endo, please have a a seat. Put your feet up. (laughs) uh, Drink some water. Have a break. (laughs) Rest up a little bit. Yeah. All right, Matt. So those are the awards for the OFC this year from low point of the season to player of the season. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything into over what has been a crazy 36, actually 30, made up 41 matches all told with the Pokal, huh? I thought you were going to say years and I was thinking that feels about right. <laughs> it does. It does age us a bit here. Any Final thoughts. I mean, this is going to be our last episode unless some crazy news breaks over the next you know, few weeks, which is probably a given, given the state of <laughs> Wellness Club. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break. So this is probably our last episode up until probably August. So we've got the Pokal, which will start in August, and the season will start up in August. So maybe off the airwaves for a bit here. So any last thoughts on the season before we move forward for next year? Well, I, I think it was not a remarkable season for the team. It wasn't a great year as a fan to follow the club with all of the, the chaos and the uh, mediocre performances we saw on the field. It was ultimately exciting and kind of relieving how how it finished up. But what's been a lot of fun about this year is the development of the OFC, um, the way the community has come together and the people that we've been able to connect with. And I'm going to pump your tires a little bit again. Oh, Thank you for putting this together, for driving the podcast and stuff. For people who don't know, I basically show up and Travis provides me a bunch of notes and I spit <laughs> BS. And then he edits my nonsense to make me sound like less of an idiot than I am, which is an effort. Uh, so this, <laughs> the the Discord, both the Reddit Discord, the OFC Discord, um, 
the the side chats that we've got going on stuff it's it's made it more fun to follow this team in a season which was not a whole lot of fun uh from, from a fan perspective so the football sucked the community was great i look forward to a year next year when the community continues to be great and continues to grow um Folks, tell your friends, uh, be a drug dealer with this thing. Uh, <laughs> let's get more people involved. And hopefully next year the football will be less bad and we aren't stressing the hell out every weekend. Maybe that's a t-shirt we can make. <laughs> less bad sure. football? Less, less bad football. <laughs> <laughs> give, that, give, that a, give that a go there. No, it, yeah, it was a exhausting season. It was a relieved uh, end of the season as we've we've mentioned here but it was i think a lot of times you'll see this in german uh stadiums where and i'm going to par- say this really poorly but it's basically the idea that the players and management come and go but the supporters remain there forever and it was really awesome to find a lot of people on twitter a lot of people on discord uh, we've started a little facebook group where it's just a bunch of like-minded people who have really one thing in common, and that is, you know, appreciating this somewhat lousy club <laughs> that has <laughs> a red stripe on them that's, you know, bleeding money everywhere. But, you know, it's 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 our club, and it's a great, you know, group of people. And I like that we shouted out, you know, Tim earlier. Tim's one of the more critical, you know, people. Jens is a little bit more critical of it. And then you've got Josh, who is crazy positive, you know, all the time. You've got some people that are still trying to figure out, you know, what the club, you know, is about. We got people on Twitter like Dave who can't go a tweet without throwing out an F-bomb. And you got people like Jens who are throwing out all kinds of just great, you know, critical analysis and constructive criticism and such. So to echo what you said, the community aspect of this is, has been fantastic. And through the ups and mostly the downs, it's been awesome to have that to uh, kind of lean on a little bit. So, you know, what? it'll be nice not also, not to talk to any of you for a couple of weeks as we take a break <laughs> from, from this. To paraphrase Frodo, uh, is it uh, Bilbo Baggins? It's like, I didn't know you know, half of you as much as I should. And I know half of you, you know, way more than I wanted to. <laughs> to uh, a little JR token for you. How's that? It's more culture than I've had all day. Well, there you go. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for joining us for our made up award show. We'll see if we can send. You have some kind of uh, fake award out to Wataro and to Gildias and anybody else who happens to be on the roster by the time August you know comes around there. But it's been a lot of fun being with you these 30-some episodes. And uh, hopefully, if everything goes well, we'll talk to you again in August. What do you say, Matt? Thank you for listening, and we're sorry. <laughs> it's, <right>. I know. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you on the flip side. What does that mean, flip side? <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs>